Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the verses that we're going to be looking at are on the inside cover of the bulletin. Uh, there's also space there to take notes. Before we look at the verse, the, the verses that we're going to be focused on today, I actually want to spend a little bit of time setting up why we're looking at these verses. Um, there is one point that I want to get across to you today. There's one thing that will be important for you to take away from this message. Thank you. Um, and it's this. Frustration is the Christmas backstory, but God's promises give us joy. Okay? Frustration is the Christmas backstory, but God's promises give us joy. That's where we're going today. That's what I hope you walk out with. The sense that, wow, the frustration I feel in life, I'm not alone and I'm not necessarily doing it wrong. But Christmas gives me answers. Okay, that's what I'm hoping that you're going to get today. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever shown up late for a movie? Shown up late? Right, either in a theater or you show up at a party where they're watching a movie and they're already an hour into it. But then you sit down, you start watching, and you get into the movie. And the second half of the movie is good, and you like the ending, and it makes you want to watch it then from the beginning, right? You've had this experience, or you can imagine it if you haven't. Well, when you go back and watch the movie from the beginning, two things happen. There's two things that happen. One, you see the backstory, and many more things make sense. The end of the movie is even more meaningful, right? Because you've watched it from the beginning. And the second thing is that in the beginning of the story that you missed, you begin to see hints of where the story is going. You with me? Christmas is an amazing time to get to know Jesus. But even with the Christmas story, there are flags in the story that tell us to go back to the beginning. Okay, there are flags in the Christmas story that say you are joining a movie that is already in progress. You with me? Um, we see that. Before Jesus came, we have really three-fourths of the Bible. Right? This is the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. Jesus, the Christmas stories starts at the beginning of the, the, the last fourth of the Bible. Um, and so before Jesus, there are other chapters of the story. There are other sort of sections of the movie. There's creation. There's the fall. There's Israel. And there's exile. And again, this is the Old Testament. And these chapters, they teach us where we came from. They teach us what's wrong with the world. And they set up what God is doing about what's wrong. And the backstory of Christmas is frustration. Okay, it's waiting. It's hoping. We sang about this earlier. We sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. The beginning of the Christmas story is a recognition that even God's people are frustrated. They feel like they're in exile. They feel like they're trapped. Right? Set us free from Satan's tyranny. Right? This is the backstory of Christmas. I'm in another famous hymn, O Holy Night. It's got that great line where it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. 
right? Longing, yearning um, until he appeared. This is the backstory to Christmas. It's people who are frustrated and they're longing for what God intended. It's people who know that the world isn't the way it should be. It's people who are frustrated with their lives, with themselves, frustrated even with God and why God isn't acting. Speaking of frustration, this week um, we had an experience that was incredibly (laughs) frustrating. Uh, We were just getting into bed, and Lainey had actually told her mom on the phone, there is nothing that is going to stand in between me and going to bed early tonight. (laughs) This is probably why this whole series of events got triggered. We're in bed, we're laying down, and all of a sudden we hear this, like, howl. This howl. Like, what in the world is that? Come to find, it's one of our cats who escaped the house and has come back in. And I'm thinking, oh man, okay, sounds like he's got a mouse in his mouth, right? Because that's what the cats do. They go out, they find something, they bring it back in, and they walk around the house bragging about what they just caught, right? So I get up, walking, you know, looking out, and I see the cat walking up, doing this meow, but there's nothing in his mouth. I'm like, this is kind of weird. He's kind of squinting at me. Like, Something wrong? And then the smell. Our cat had been sprayed in the face by a skunk. Man. Long lay the Coopers. <laughs> and I'm like, how can we get out of this? How can we make this short? Can we just lock him up overnight and like deal with this in the morning? Lainey, the much more compassionate of the two of us, says, we got to do something. What are we going to do? Do we need to go to the store and buy something? She goes online, she starts doing research. Um, and so we address the situation. Um, I didn't know this, but skunk spray isn't like a, it's not like an aerosol spray that's very dry and just sort of like clings and then it goes away. It's a very wet and it's like snot. Um, and it had gotten in his eyes, it had gotten all over his mouth and his face. And everywhere he went, there were like these pads of this spray. Downstairs in the bathroom, downstairs in the living room, downstairs, upstairs, under our bed, because that's where he ran first, right? <laughs> everywhere. And so... Um, so we dealt with it. We mixed a concoction. Um, I brought him into the standing shower thing that we have so he couldn't get out and started spraying him from the other side to try to like, you know, and he's like, it was a pretty crazy mess. So we got him clean, but we didn't get the smell away. You know, like even after we were done, he smelled a little bit better, but that stuff just sinks in, right? And eventually it just sort of has to wear off. So the next morning... We go downstairs, and the smell is everywhere, right? And it's not as bad as it was last night, but it's, you can tell. You can tell it's there. You can smell it. You can feel it. It's the whole house stunk. We cleaned it up, but it still stinks everywhere. And honestly, I think that when we think about Christmas and the backstory of Christmas... I think this is why God sent the skunk spray into my house, so that I could illustrate it for all of us. 
that this is the world that we live in, right? There is beauty in our world. There is a lot of good that's in our world, and yet there's sort of this film where we know things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We know that things are, that we just live in frustration, right? We smell the problems of the world. We smell the brokenness and the frustration that comes with them. Um, I listened to someone who was testifying to the frustration of life. And I want to share some of the quote with you. This is what someone said. I'm going to read this. So you don't have to, if you can't read this, it's too small. Um, this is what this person said. She said, I'm not the only person who has to experience this tension of things in life not making sense. All human beings deal with a lot of tension here on earth. When we say yes to following God, we're saying no to some things that seem to promise fulfillment, that seem to promise happiness. I realized that my experience wasn't that far out of the norm of being a Christian here on earth in a broken world. We all have some unmet needs and longings that go unfulfilled here on earth. And so... If you can identify with her at all, if you can identify with frustration in your life, then you are experiencing the backstory of Christmas. Okay? Then let me say it a different way. If you are experiencing this or can identify with this at all, then you are the reason why Jesus came to earth. Because this is what Matthew is writing into in his day and in our day, frustration in life, wanting things to get better, wishing you could make them better, feeling frustrated that you can't. This is the, this is the backstory into which the Christmas story is written. And now I want to read for you Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. So listen now. This is God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife... But he knew her not, means they didn't have sex, until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So this is God's word. And I don't know if you can see this, because this is a story that's read so many times, you sort of miss the frustration in this story. But we can see this here, even in this Christmas story. Because Joseph was a righteous man. Okay, He was betrothed to Mary, and all of a sudden she's pregnant. So Joseph does what was allowable at that time, and he moved to divorce her because he chose, he had a couple of choices. He could move forward with the marriage and bear sort of the scandal and the stigma and the shame um, that Mary's actions would have brought to her in that community. 
Um, or he could divorce her publicly and shame her, which he didn't do. That would have been very cruel and unkind. Or he could divorce her quietly, which is what he opted to do. But you've got to think, if you're Joseph, right? You think, man, like, what did I do to deserve this? Right? Like, how did this happen? Not how did this happen, but you know what I'm saying. Like, why did this happen to me? Um, and in the midst of that, the angel appears. And I think it's amazing. Like, that an angel would appear and tell Joseph what, 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 what the angel told Joseph. But even there, I think there's a little bit of frustration because the angel appears to Joseph. The angel doesn't appear publicly and declare to all of Joseph's community, hey, everybody, just want to make sure you know, this is from the Holy Spirit. Not Joseph and Mary jumping the gun. And there are signs, even in John's Gospel, that Jesus, um, there were rumors about Jesus, that he was born of fornication, is the word the Bible uses. And so for Joseph to have to say yes to God's plan... He was going to have to say yes to trusting that he was going to know the truth and a lot of other people wouldn't. And he was going to have to bear the stigma and the shame of that. And not just Joseph, but Mary as well. But both of them are going to enter in like this amazing news that guess what? You're going to bear the Messiah. You're going to raise the Savior of the world. But it's going to mean that people are going to mistreat you, malign you, think the worst of you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to make fun of you. And so even in this Christmas story, we see the frustration and the brokenness of life. And yet, and yet, in this story that we see, even into the frustration that will inevitably be Joseph and Mary's lot, and then Jesus' lot for their lives, God is bringing the promise of joy. Okay, frustration is life's backstory or the Christmas backstory, but God's promises give us joy. Okay, the child that is born is going to mean the fulfillment of God's promises. The glory of Christmas is in the meaning of the name Emmanuel. The glory of Christmas is God with us, that we are not alone. Jesus has come. Christmas tells us the story of the gospel. It tells us the story of a God and a love for people and a brokenness of the world and a power that comes from God to bring healing and renewal. Christmas is the story of a God who made us and doesn't give up on us. Because God, the one who was most frustrated, came. Right? And God the one who was most frustrated and most broken by the brokenness and the sin of the world, he came and he didn't just come as a king, he didn't just come as an angry father, but he came as a baby. In the Christmas story, there's a manger that we see in Luke's Gospel. And that manger means that Jesus, when God came, he came needy, humble, and dependent. Jesus came, and before he came to rescue us, he came to understand us. Jesus came in a way and came to a family that entered into the frustration that we all experience. 
Jesus came to understand so that no one, hear me, Jesus came in a way so that no one could say to God, you don't understand what it's like to be me. This is just a small snippet of the frustration and the pain and the anguish that Jesus bore here on earth. He knows exactly what it's like to be you. He knows exactly. He was tempted, the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we are. In every way that we are. And yet he never sinned. So he does understand. And he doesn't give up on us. So this person that talks about tension and the frustration of life, um, she goes on as she begins to understand the gospel and becomes gospel-centered. Look what she says. I began to locate my story in the gospel-centered worldview of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. We're in between. God made everything good, but everything now is broken. Things are misfiring inside of us, and there's going to be a lot of tension here on earth. Ultimately, we are looking forward to the day when Christ comes back to make all things new. That's where my hope is. This is the hope. Uh, This is the hope of God's promises that Jesus is coming back. And then she quoted this passage in Romans 8. And see if you can't find some of your own experience in this part of the Bible. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So we're not just talking about this sort of slow burn, low grade frustration, but there are real, there's real anguish. There's real pain. There's real suffering um, in the whole creation. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So she comes to this passage, and then she says this about this. And I began to see that I'm not alone. We're all groaning here on earth, waiting for Christ to come back and to take the pain away to make all things new, to bring about restoration and beauty and all of the mess and isolation and loneliness and suffering and everything that's bad in the world goes away. That's what we're looking forward to. Man, can you relate to this? Is her story your story? Man, no, it's mine. This is the testimony of a woman who is wrestling with having to embrace a life of singleness. I mean, hear it again. I began to see that I am not alone. We're all groaning here on earth, waiting for Christ to come back and take the pain away, to make all things new, to bring about restoration and beauty and all of the mess and salvation and isolation and loneliness and suffering and everything that is bad in the world goes away. That's what we're looking forward to. And in the midst of a world that is groaning in frustration, in the midst of our own lives where we are groaning in frustration, You ever wonder, like, well, what is God doing in all this? 
The world is groaning. We're groaning. What is God doing? Christmas tells us that God is groaning along with us. This is the miracle of Christmas, friends. God is with us. That Jesus is proof that God cares for you so much that He entered into this groaning world and He enters into your groaning life so that you would know that you're not alone. Romans 8 goes on to say this. Likewise, the Spirit, this is God the Spirit, helps us in our weakness, in our frustration, in our groaning. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You ever feel that way? God, this is so effed up that I don't even know how to pray for this. God, this is such a broken situation that I don't even know where to start with this. God, I am so far away from you right now that I don't even know what it looks like to take a step back in your direction. God, we are in such a mess, tangled up, that I have no idea where to even try to pick at the knots of our fighting and our conflict and our brokenness. And so when you don't even know how to pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so what you have, what you have because of Christmas, is that you have God's presence. Not just Jesus on earth, but Jesus now in you. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts and our lives so that in those moments, God says, even if you don't know anything about what to do next, Here's one thing that I do want you to know. And that is that I am with you. If you don't know anything else, know that I am with you. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is why we need to be gospel-centered. Because in the backstory of frustration, it's only God's promises that can give us joy. Because there's just there's so much that's outside of our control. There's so much that we cannot control. Um, even if you could figure out how you're supposed to respond, and even if you could mature to the place where you are responding in the way that you're supposed to respond, you're still at the mercy of other people. You're still at the mercy sometimes of a culture that's not going to let you go, that's not going to let you escape, that's going to keep bringing the stuff back up. And in the midst of that, God wants you to know that you are not alone. A virgin was conceived and bore a son, and they called his name Emmanuel which means God with us. We've got to hear this story. We have to remember that this is what Christmas is about. One of the best 
recent illustrations that I have come across of the importance of us centering our lives on the gospel is this. It's from Thanksgiving. This guy. Right? How many of y'all used one of these this last week? Show of hands. Come on. Who used a baster? It's a turkey baster, right? Man, why do we use a turkey baster? Because if we don't, the turkey will go dry. If you don't use the baster, the turkey goes dry. Friends, God has this gospel baster. (laughs) This gospel baster that he uses on us. Um, What does he do every Sunday that we gather here together as we worship him? He is pouring out the gospel over us. There are parts of our lives that grow dry during the week, right? There are parts of our lives that, that become, that, that feel far from Him, right? There's areas of our lives where we sin. And every week, God wants us to come here so that He can base us again with the gospel. I mean, it's kind of graphic to say He pours the blood of Jesus over us, but if that works for you, you can go with that. But I mean, this is the gospel story that we need to be reminded that at the center of the universe, at the center of history, there is a God who loves us and loves a world that's broken. And the way that he is fixing the broken world is by entering into it so that you know you're not alone. And God does this so that as you become basted with this story, as you become filled and centered around the story of this sacrificial, forgiving love of God, it will begin to give you strength. It will begin to give you strength because you'll sort of realize what's really important. And you'll find out that there is stuff going on in your life right now that's not as big a deal as you are making it seem. Now, there are some things that are huge deals, and I'm not trying to minimize our suffering. And in those moments, God is groaning along there with us. But there is, in the soundtrack of our life story, this gospel playing, so that no matter what happens, God is with you. No matter what doesn't happen, God is with you. And if you are fighting in a relationship, if you are fighting in your family, if you are yanking your hair out because of people at work, God is with you. And God has demonstrated to you at Christmas this incredible, sacrificial, entering into, understanding love that he has for you. And that's what Christmas is about. And when this happens, when we begin to center our lives around this story, when Jesus becomes the central part of who we are, um, when we begin to, to realize not just that he came, but that he came for me. Man, things begin to change. Things begin to change. We begin to change. I want you to ask yourself this question this week. I want you to ask yourself in the midst of your frustration, okay, but what about Christmas? If Jesus is with me, how can I live out 
his salvation while I wait for this to end. Right? If Jesus is with me, how can I live out his salvation while I wait? Ask yourself that question. And I know there's, there's some of you, I mean, you need to ask this question right now, because I know, I know what so many of you are going through. And this is a question we're going to ask yourself, how does Christmas speak to this? How is Jesus' love more powerful and more significant than this pain, this conflict, this relationship, this frustration? I want you to ask yourself that question this week. And then for those of you who are here and you're not Christians yet, man, my hope for you is that you'd be able to celebrate Christmas the way God intended this year. This is a love. This is a joy that comes into the midst of the frustration of the backstory of your life. Sometimes, um, for people who aren't Christians, I know this is true for me, the frustration wasn't the backstory. The frustration was my story. And all I ever did was complain and to be frustrated and give voice and vent to my frustration. And I didn't know this, but I realized that that frustration, that anger, that bitterness was controlling me. And it was shaping me into the kind of person that I didn't want to be. Friends, if that's you today, man, put your faith in Jesus. Let Jesus come near to you. Open your heart to him. Confess your sins. And let his, let his story turn your frustration into your backstory. Christmas will come true for you. Because for those of you who are trusting Jesus, no matter what anyone says or doesn't say to you this Christmas season, God's gift to you is Jesus. Okay? No matter what anyone in your... I know you have thoughts, you have plans, you've got hopes for this Christmas season. No matter what anyone does or doesn't do in your family, in friendships, neighbor, I mean, whatever. Whatever your hopes are, whether they come true or not. Man, this Christmas, God is with you. God is with you. His power and His strength. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You for coming for understanding, for being near to us, for being this amazing. Would you help us? Help us now. Jesus, I pray that right now you would come and speak to each person here, Christians and folks who aren't Christians. And Jesus, would you help us right now to tell you what we are most frustrated with? Would you help us to share with you the pain that we're experiencing, the things that make us groan in frustration? Jesus, would you let us know that for the parts of our frustration that we're responsible for, you're willing to forgive. And for the things that are outside of our control, you have come for us to know us and to give us a love that is more powerful 
It's more powerful and it can give us strength to endure and to wait. Jesus, we don't like waiting. We don't want to wait. But I thank you that you give us this joy in the midst of our waiting. That we do live in this in-between world where we still taste and feel and smell the frustration. And yet we can see you at work when your promises are coming true in our lives. So Jesus, help us to come to you every day this week rehearsing this Christmas story and show us how your love is more powerful than everything that we deal with. And I pray that the change that goes on in us because we do this will spill out and will help others to know the real meaning of Christmas too. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen.